Hello, women. Hello, brides. Hello, daughters. Good morning. Is everyone awake? Everyone got their caffeine? Everyone good to go? This next talk, wonderful. Can we pray? Jesus is so good. Okay. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus. Jesus. By your Holy Spirit, through the power of your most holy name, by your precious blood, I take authority over anything that is not from you, anything that is in the hearts of your daughters who you love above everything. Anything that is not from you, bind it away so that we may be truly free to receive your word. Jesus, you delight in your daughters. They are your daughters first. You have claimed them. Jesus, you know everything about them and you perpetually choose them. Jesus, I thank you for this time where you get to reveal your incredible love to them. Soul of Christ, sanctify us. Body of Christ, save us. Blood of Christ, inebriate us. Water from the side of Christ, wash us. Passion of Christ, strengthen us. O oh, good Jesus, hear us. Within thy wounds, hide us and suffer us not to be separated from you. From the malignant enemy, defend us. At the hour of death, call us and bid us to come to you that with all thy angels and saints, I may praise you forever and ever. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Lady of the Snows, pray for us. Oh my gosh, it's so great to be here. And uh, just heads up, I am not a woman, okay? Um, and I, I like being a man and a priest, it's great. But I just, I have such a heart for, for, for you and, and for the Lord's daughters. So um, it's wonderful to be here. And I am, honestly, I'm a little jealous and... I just, there's something about being here that makes me a little upset because came in yesterday and I left my apartment in Chicago, which is right next to the Newman Center, and I left the apartment and right away there was a puddle that I stepped in and after that there was this uh, student who was driving who yelled at me because I was walking across the street, get into the Uber to go to the airport, the Uber is kind of mean to me. And then I get to like everywhere in Chicago at O'Hare, everyone was kind of like pushing me and stuff. I just felt so not good. And then I get to Ohio and people wave at me. <laughs> and people say hi to me. It's so exciting. You guys are so nice. So it's not fair. I love Chicago, but it's just, it's not, it's not Ohio. Um, and so thank you for your hospitality, thank you for your love, thank you for your daughterhood, and um, I just want to share a lot tonight just about the Lord's love for you, how he has chosen you, and he really is, he's your bridegroom. Um, so 
I want to show you a picture of, okay, this is a picture of my students. Because if you don't know, a lot of speakers share their kids, you know, like, oh, here's my son, here's my daughter. There's a thing called celibacy where I don't have that. But these are my kids at the Newman Center. Um, these are kind of like the core group um, at the Newman Center, my students who are, are wonderful. I love them so much. And I actually just want to pray for them now because for Lent, one of the things that we're doing as the Newman Center together is we are learning how to talk to people. <laughs> right? Right? It's so important. And through that, because it is so important to be able to encounter. And so the students usually, they want to, you know, give up chocolate, give up these things, uh, give up social media, which is all good, but to be able to encounter the other. And so um, for the first time, they are going out on campus and just encountering people, like commenting on their clothes uh, or just sharing about their life and just actually just talking to people which the Lord then uses that because they have a relationship with the Lord. But a lot of them are very nervous. They don't want to talk to people. So I just, can we pray for them? Can we intercede for them really quickly? It would be amazing because I love them and I want, to I want them to have courage to be able to evangelize, to share their hearts with their peers because hearing about Jesus from their peers, it, it totally hits differently. Um, so can we just pray a Hail Mary for them now? Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners. Amen. Our Lady of the New Evangelization, pray for us. Thank you so much. And it's wonderful because... Um, I am with college kids all the time. We had a tennis tournament or table tennis ping pong tournament yesterday talking a lot about dating relationships and stuff like that. So it's great to be around adults. Thank you. <laughs> and uh, I just want to share something that is really uh, close to my heart, which is we are now in the Eucharistic revival. Have you ever heard of this? Right. This is amazing. We are within the Eucharistic revival where the Lord wants to share his absolute intimate love with us. And in this Eucharistic revival throughout the entire, entire United States, we all know that it's coming to a close in the spring. And what I want to share is, is how the Lord reveals his love to us within the Eucharist. And I, I don't know if you know Bishop Cousins, Bishop Cousins is the, head of the, is head of the Eucharistic Revival for the USCCB. He said something really, really powerful and really beautiful. He said that they did studies, Pew, Pew surveys about the Eucharist and how since the Eucharistic Revival started, that there has been a significant increase in people believing in the real presence. It's so incredible. But there is an issue because that's not it. He also said people have, are now believing more and more in the Eucharist. People are less and less going to Mass. 
which is kind of crazy. It's, it's weird to think about that. More and more people are saying, yeah, I believe that the Eucharist is Jesus. It's his true presence. But less and less people are going to Mass. So there is this disconnect that we, we can know things in our mind. We can, we can understand things. We, can, we get the catechism. We know our faith in our minds, but it hasn't translated into our heart. And I, I just desire for our relationship with Jesus in the Eucharist to be transformative and not just information. I want it to be transformation and not information. I think we all want that. Heather Kim, who just spoke, who is amazing. Can we give her a round of applause? She, <laughs> she is so great. I love her voice. The way I describe her voice is that it's cozy. Her voice is just so cozy. And so last night she said something really beautiful. She said that, I just don't want this to be another conference. I, I don't want this to be another conference. I want it to be more. That I, if you want inspiration, you can totally, you can go to, like, you could have stayed at home, cozying up on your couch, drinking a glass of white wine and watching a TED Talk. That's inspirational. You can be inspired by that. But the Lord wants you to be transformed. He wants your heart to be absolutely transformed. And when it comes to devotion and love for the Eucharist, many of us, we know it in our mind, but it hasn't translated to our heart. And one of the greatest examples, it happened when I was, before I was a Newman Center chaplain, I was in a, a parish, suburban parish in Chicago, and getting ready for First Holy Communion, all of these little kids in their, in their you know, communion best, the suits and the dresses, they're all in the classroom, and we're getting ready to go in for the First Holy Communion Mass. I was so excited. I was with these little second grade nuggets, and I asked them one question. I asked them one question, and I asked them, boys and girls, what are you most excited about, about your First Holy Communion? And this one little boy, his name was Cooper, uh, he had, I mean, it was, he was cute as a button. His face was bigger than his whole body, you know? Like, he hadn't grown into himself yet. And, and so he said, I will never forget this. So he asked, like, what are you most excited about? He was like, I get to eat God. <laughs> right? <laughs> and my heart was, like, opened up. I was like, oh, my gosh, Cooper, you could, you could be, like, a doctor of the church. You could be a saint. This is amazing. Like, you know what the Eucharist is. We, are, we consume the Lord. We eat God. It's so profound. But here is the issue. After Cooper said this, his mom, who is a, a wonderful woman, a sweetheart, she got really embarrassed. She got kind of red in the face. Everyone kind of laughed after Cooper said that. And, and she said, Father Tim, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know he didn't really, he didn't actually mean that. Um, he, I know that's not, that's not a thing. We don't actually eat God. But it's like, you know, it's figurative. Um, and man, that, that hurt my heart. Because here, here's this mom who, yeah, it's, it really hasn't transformed her yet. But for this boy, he, he knew. And so that's what I think is at the heart of this Eucharistic revival, that it goes from information to transformation, that we are transformed through the incredible, intimate love of the Eucharist. And I want to be begin by showing you an image of, this is, uh, this is Chrissy. Chrissy is a student who I absolutely love. She's 18 years old. Uh, last year, she's 19 now, but last year she received her first Holy Communion. 
this is our chapel at the Newman Center, and uh, she never received her first Holy Communion. And um, she said something really profound. And before I share that, I want to just, you know, get the, get the blood flowing, get the juices flowing um, for just a few seconds, um, and I'll bring you back after you talk to, to the people around you. Can you share with the people around you two things? One, when, how old were you? when you received Jesus for the first time? How old were you when you made your first Holy Communion? Second, how old were you when you first truly believed that Jesus was truly present in the Eucharist, that the Eucharist was his body, blood, soul, and divinity? So just to share amongst each other first, when did you receive your first Holy Communion and when did you truly believe? Go ahead. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for sharing with the women around you. It's a beautiful thing to be able to share. It's maybe it's something that you haven't, you haven't really heard for a while. You haven't thought about the age when you received Jesus for the first time. And what is so powerful, I, I just, I absolutely love this picture of Chrissy because she asked me a couple days before she received First Holy Communion as an 18-year-old, she asked me, can I wear a white dress? And I was like, I got a little misty-eyed. I'm like, yes. And I was like, so why, why do you want to do that? And she said, because I feel like it's, it's kind of like my wedding day. Ugh. It's like, Chrissy, yes. Because the beauty is every time, every, every time we receive the Lord, um, it, it, is a, it is wedding vows. We re, are renewing our wedding vows to the Lord. Um, and so Jesus truly is. And this is the thing I really want to get across today is he is your bridegroom. So many times in the gospel, Jesus relates the kingdom to, to a wedding, to a wedding feast. And so, of course, he is the bridegroom. He's the bridegroom for you. And I, want to, I just want to share something um, that is from the book of John, chapter 14. I invite you to listen. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You have faith in God. Have faith also in me. In my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? I will come back again and take you to myself so that where I am, you also may be. Man, ugh. in my Father's house there are many dwelling places. If there were not, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? In, the, in first century Judaism, this is so beautiful that when there was a wedding, before the wedding, there would be a betrothal where a man and woman, they would be betrothed, which is like the, the contract, the, the, the uniting formally. Um, and so they would, they would be betrothed. And then the bridegroom, he would go off and prepare a place for his bride. And as, as you see in the image, we also know the gospel passage of the ten virgins lighting the lamps for the bridegroom. 
We all know this story from scripture. So the bridegroom would go off, prepare the place, prepare the dwelling for his beloved, for his bride. And then he would come back and he would be led by the virgins holding the lamps. He would get his bride and lead her to the place that he has prepared. So beautiful. And this is what the Lord does. He has prepared a place for you in heaven, which is amazing. You are called to be in heaven. You're called to be a saint. You're called to be with him forever. But even, even more beautiful right now, he's prepared a place within the Eucharist. He's prepared a place in every single tabernacle where you can go to, to be with him, to be with your bridegroom. Jesus is yours, and he's prepared a place for you. This is the beauty of the Eucharist. And so what I want to share with you today is just three things that the Eucharist reveals about God's incredible love for you, the bridegroom's incredible love for you. And the first is this. The bridegroom, the Eucharist reveals that the bridegroom wants to be close to you. The Eucharist reveals that the bridegroom, your love, wants to be close to you. He's not far away. He's not waiting for you like he's just in heaven waiting for you to mess up because that's a lot of the times how we may think of the Lord, that we may think of God just waiting for us really far away. Um, there's an awesome book called uh, On Christian Tradition by Hippolytus. He wrote all about like early, the early Christianity and the differences between like secularism in, in Rome and the ancient world and Christianity. And one thing he talked about was all the different like pagan gods. You talk about, you know, the, there would be the, the lightning god like Zeus, you know, or the river god or the forest god in order to go pray to that God or have them hear you, you had to go to that place. You had to go to that temple. You had to go like wherever that, that God was. You had to go to the river to talk to the river God. You had to go to the forest to talk to the forest God. Guys seeing Hercules? Right? Disney movie Hercules, we all know the story where what does Hercules have to do to go talk to his dad? He has to go the distance, which I'm not going to sing because I suck at singing. So Hercules, he goes, he has to go on this journey through these fields, through these forests. He has to climb a mountain just to have a conversation with his dad. And yet here is the Lord who wants to be close to us. In the Eucharist, he resides with us. Christophonic, I love this dude. He uh, gave a great analogy of this idea that um, we, we so easily think about the Eucharist, we think about our faith like a scientist. We just need to know all the facts and all the things about the thing. Like if you're studying, like a scientist who studies water, they know everything about water. They know that it's H2O and this amount of water is on the earth and it's a solid liquid nitrogen or solid liquid gas, whatever. But it's only the surfer dude, it's only the surfer dude who says, I want to be one with the water. Like I just want to be one with the water. I don't need to know anything about the water. I want to be one. This idea from information to transformation with Jesus, that's what he wants. He wants to be one with you. He wants to be united with you every time you receive Holy Communion. That's how close he wants to be. The Eucharist reveals that your bridegroom wants to be close. One of my students, it was two years ago now, they posted a picture of our chapel on Instagram. Just want to share it here. Okay, this is, this is our chapel at the Newman Center. And he took a picture of this 
in, underneath on Instagram. If you don't know, by the way, Instagram is a thing on your phone. That's all you need to know. <laughs> he posted this picture and he said he found out the GPS coordinates of the tabernacle, literally the tabernacle. He found the GPS coordinates and he said he typed them in in the post and he said, God can be found here. Aw, I love it. <laughs> Women's conferences are the best. Oh my gosh. God can be found here. It actually it kind of went viral on campus because a lot of people were arguing with that. Like, what do you mean? God can be found everywhere. God is in nature, blah, blah, blah. But no, God can be found here. He's here. Emmanuel. He is with us. He is with you. He's not far away. Your bridegroom wants to be close. So that's the first thing. The second thing is that your bridegroom, the Eucharist reveals that your bridegroom delights in you. Your bridegroom, Jesus, he actually delights in you. We hear all the time in catechism, in, you know, religious said, God loves you. God loves you. God loves you. We hear this all the time and it's good. But guess what? God likes you. He actually likes you. He likes being around you. He enjoys you. He delights in you. He delights in every part of you. I had the uh, amazing opportunity to uh, marry my sister last year. Sorry, that sounded really weird. Sorry. <laughs> We're in Ohio, not Kentucky. Sorry. Okay. I got to witness... I got to witness my sister's wedding, and it was the most beautiful thing ever. I got to, you know, stand right there in the front, the altar, my sister walking down with my dad in her beautiful dress. She, oh my gosh, she was so beautiful. And she's walking down, and I, I just, tears everywhere. I just started to cry, and it was one of those ugly cries, snot coming out of the nose. <laughs> but like, seeing my sister come down the aisle was amazing, and then... One of the most beautiful things was that I noticed is that Mark, my, my new brother-in-law, he, you know, was looking out with this gaze of love for my sister. And everyone in the, ch there was a certain, there's a certain amount of people, a certain category of people in the church who when everyone stood up, when my sister Claire was coming in, everyone who stood up turned and didn't look at Claire, they looked at Mark. And it was all the women who were already married in the church. <laughs> because what is so beautiful about this is here, is the, here are these women who are already married. They, they wanted to see the gaze of love that their bridegroom, that their spouse, that the love of their life, the gaze of love that they received, they wanted to see that again. They wanted to be reminded of that again. Every time we go into adoration, every time that we enter in to Jesus' love in the Eucharist, God is looking at you like this. Your bridegroom is gazing, has that same gaze of love, has that delight in you. You don't have to prove anything to your father. You can go before the Lord and let him delight in you. Raise your hand if there's something about you, something about your personality, something about your body that you do not like about yourself. <laughs> your bridegroom, he created you. He's in love with you. 
He delights in every part of you, even in the things that you may not like about yourself. He's, he's obsessed in a way. The Eucharist reveals that the bridegroom delights in you. I had a beautiful experience of celebrating Mass in Chicago for the missionaries of charity. One of the missionaries of charity um, brought her dad along one day. Sometimes the, the parents can visit, and the dad was sitting, he's kind of older, big guy, like he was a blue-collar worker. He worked for, uh, yeah, some company that does construction. And so he was sitting in a chair while all the other missionaries assisted during Mass, missionaries of charity were on the ground. And so he's kind of just sitting there, big biceps, just like, you know, plopped down among all these beautiful sisters. And his daughter got up to, to read the first reading, and then she chanted the psalm. And here is this beautiful missionary of charity who is singing, chanting to Jesus. And I'm sitting there in the priest chair, and I look out at all the little sisters surrounded by this big burly dude, and all I can see is tears falling down his cheeks as he gazes in love at his daughter, um, that he's delighting in her. Again, that is how the Lord looks at you, this gaze of love that the Father has, that the bridegroom has for you. Because you are so, daughters, you're so loved by him. You just have to, you have to show up and you, you have to just let him love you, even in the things that you do not like about yourself. All right, I want to share... Psalm 139 with you. And just let it, let it resonate. Let, let a word or a phrase resonate in your hearts, knowing that your bridegroom delights in you. Lord, you have probed me and you know me. You know when I sit and stand. You understand my thoughts from afar. You sift through my travels and my rest with all my ways you are familiar Lord, you know it all. Where can I go from your spirit, from your presence? Where can I flee? Even there your hand guides me. Darkness is not dark for you, and night shines as the day. You formed my inmost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am wonderfully made. You formed me in my inmost being. You knit me in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am wonderfully made. Imagine if we lived like in the Eucharist. Imagine if we lived as if we were wonderfully made all the time. Imagine if every single woman in Columbus walked around, whether it's in their homes or at Whole Foods or wherever you go, uh, that you were, you were walking around as if you were wonderfully made. Fearfully, the, the Latin goes back to fearfully. You were fearfully made. St. Therese of Lisieux, who I love, um, she would go before the Blessed Sacrament. She would go before Jesus in adoration, and she would like kneel down, and she would hold her hands, and she would say this prayer. She would say, Jesus, love me as much as you want right now. What a bold prayer, but what such a true prayer. You, you are just saying, Jesus, all you have, just love me right now, please. I know you delight in me, and that, that's all I need. I, need. I need that love. I need your delight. Just love me as much as you want. So we're going to have adoration soon. Can you say that to the Lord? Jesus, 
Just love me as much as you want right now. First thing, the Eucharist reveals that the bridegroom wants to be close to us. Second thing, the Eucharist reveals that Jesus actually delights in you. And the third thing is something really close to my heart. The Eucharist reveals that the bridegroom actually wants to be held. That Jesus, he actually wants to be held by us. When I was at the University of Illinois, so that's where I did my undergrad, University of Illinois uh, in Champaign, Big Ten School, I had my conversion there and went on a retreat because of a girl. And while I was there on the retreat, I went to confession for the, for the first time in uh, like six or seven years. And it was like the Lord got rid of all, all of this crap that was on my heart so that he can move within me and that he could actually speak to me and I could actually hear him. And so what was so amazing is that right afterwards I saw, I just recognized Jesus for the first time in the Eucharist. So I was 17 years old. I was 17 years old when I recognized Jesus truly present in the Eucharist for the first time. Um, and so I'm sharing with you a picture of the, the quad area on campus at U of I. If it switches. So every, every year we would have what's called Mass on the Grass at the university. So we would celebrate Mass on the quad and there would be students walking around, walking by, and everything. It would be like a way to evangelize and to share, share the gospel by people witnessing Mass. And so as I was growing in my faith, as I was trying to figure out like what I wanted to do with my vocation, with my life, living kind of this double life, college life, but also thinking about the priesthood, I was serving the Mass um, when I was, yeah, when I was 19 years, when I was 20 years old. I was serving the Mass and... Uh, the priest, after the Mass, on the Mass, on the grass, the priest, he, he asked me to take the leftover, leftover Jesus back with him because after Mass there was leftover Eucharist, leftover hosts, take it, take it back to the Newman Center. And so I walked with Monsignor, I walked with this priest, back to his car, and we brought Jesus back. And so we get to his car, and he, says, he said something that still resonates in my heart, that was totally from Jesus and no one else, he said to me, Tim, will you hold our Lord for me? Tim, will you hold our Lord for me? And I remember hearing this and it just resonated um, in my heart knowing that that is what I longed for. This is what Jesus promised from even before I was in the womb, that the Lord wanted me to hold him. And so we get in the car, I'm holding God, I'm holding Jesus, and we're driving away. We're not saying anything because God is there. And as I'm holding him, those words kept just repeating in my heart, will you hold our Lord for me? Will you hold our Lord for me? And in that moment, I just said yes to the Lord. I said yes to Jesus. All I want is to hold you in the Eucharist. And all of you, Jesus wants to be held by you. Your bridegroom wants to be held by you. Every time you go up for Holy Communion, 
whether you receive in the hands or on the tongue, you are holding him. The intimacy of that and the love that the bridegroom has for you is revealed in the very reception of Holy Communion. The bridegroom wants to be held by you. First thing, the Eucharist reveals that Jesus wants to be close to you. Second thing, the Eucharist reveals that Jesus wants to, he delights in you. Third thing, the Eucharist reveals that Jesus wants to be held by you. Have you ever seen this movie? The Vow. The Vow is with Channing Tatum and Rachel McAdams. It's a love story. Um, you may, it's uh, based in Chicago. A lot of people from Chicago like it because it shows all the sights. But it's basically all about um, these two people who are in love with each other. They get married, um, get in a car crash. Rachel McAdams' character um, loses consciousness. She has uh, like trauma to the head, and she forgets her husband. She forgets him. And she forgets her love for Channing Tatum's character. Crazy thing is, it's based on a true story. And there are two real people who are living to this day um, named Kim and Cricket Carpenter. You may have heard of them. The story is based on them, and the, same, the, the exact same story happens, that, that she gets in a car crash. She cannot remember her husband. And he, all yet, like throughout several years, he has to win back her love because she doesn't remember like her love for him. And she, he never quits. And like in the movie, it's like... Channing Tame's character kind of just white knuckles through it. He's like, yeah, I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do it. I'm going to win her love. I'm going to do all these grand gestures. But in the real story with Kim and Cricket Carpenter, they, that actually doesn't happen. The only thing, the only thing that, is, that they were able to, the reason why they stay together is because of their relationship with Jesus, because of their foundational relationship with him that he never gives up on her because of Jesus Christ's love for both of them. And that is your bridegroom. The bridegroom never, ever, ever forgets his love. Even though all the time, what do we do? We forget our love for him. That's what sin is. This moment where I forget my love for the bridegroom and I fail and I say no to him. But the bridegroom, Jesus, never, ever, ever, ever forgets his love for you and he stays with you and he remains with you and he prepares a place for you. I want to read from the Gospel of John again. This is the wedding of Cana. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana in Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the wedding. When the wine ran short, mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. And Jesus said to her, woman, how does your concern affect me? My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servers, do whatever he tells you. Now there were six stone water jars there for Jewish ceremonial washings, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus told them, fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, draw some out now and take it to the head waiter. So they took it. And when the head waiter tasted the water that had become wine without knowing where it came from, 
the head waiter called the bridegroom and said to him, everyone serves good wine first. And then when people have drunk freely, an inferior one, but you have kept the good wine until now. Here is the bridegroom. Here is Jesus. Just imagine this scene. Jesus has not started his public ministry yet. He is still, he is still just chilling, chilling with the Father. And here is Jesus who, just imagine, he is at a wedding. I can't help but imagine Jesus thinking about his wedding. I can't help but think at this wedding at Cana, Jesus is thinking about his wedding, which is, of course, the cross, which is, of course, himself, him giving everything, his whole entire self for you. Chrissy, who waited 18 years to receive First Holy Communion, Jesus was waiting for her wedding. However old you were, he was waiting from the beginning of time for your wedding. This is the image of, it's called um, the nymphios, which is, in Greek, it means the bridegroom. So this is the icon of Jesus, the bridegroom. I just want us to, to look at the Lord and see him and see the bridegroom where, as you can see, this is before, this is before and about to, the passion is about to begin with Jesus. But he is called the bridegroom in this image. He is, his hands are tied, his hands are bound. In the Eastern church and in the Western church until recently, when a man and woman were married, their hands are bound together. Their hands are bound together because that cannot be separated. And Jesus, bound to you through the beauty of the Eucharist, he can't be separated from you. He's wearing a crown of thorns in the Easter right, in the Eastern rite. During a wedding, the man and the woman, the bridegroom and the bride are crowned. They are crowned, consecrating their sonship and daughterhood to Jesus Christ and to the Father. And so all of this beautiful bridegroom, bride imagery is the Lord revealing his love for you. The Eucharist, the Eucharist is just so real. This is, this is the center of our faith. This is, this is the greatest gift that we've been given as Catholics. So my invitation for you, especially in the rest of this day, is if there's anything that has resonated with you in, in all these talks, praise God. But above all, just say yes to the Lord again. Say yes to your bridegroom and allow him, give him permission to love you and always stay close to the Eucharist. <laughs> this is the, yeah, this is our faith. You can choose to accept it. You can choose to reject it. But if you do choose to accept it, you are embarking on the greatest love story that the world has ever known. And daughters, you will never be the same. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you. God bless you.